Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I am your host, women's empowerment coach and motivational speaker, Megan Hall. And on this podcast, I'm going to connect you with inspirational women who will share their real stories. And we're going to chat about topics relevant to women today. I'd love to continue to support you on your life's journey. Please join us in the Inspired Women community on Facebook. Thank you for tuning in today and enjoy the show. Hey guys, today I'm here with Carol. Carol is actually a a member of the Inspired Women community and I asked her, you know, I asked in the community a few questions about usually when I'm looking for specific topics and Carol raised her hand and said, yes, I'd love to come on. And so now she's here. Uh, Carol is a woman who has worn many hats in her life, daughter, aunt, niece, mother, sister, friend, and had many professions. She served in the U.S. Navy as a hospital corpsman. Thank you for your service, by the way. We've had some badass women who serve in the military on here. I'm like, it, I'm stoked. Like, as a military spouse, I see what my spouse goes through all the time, and I'm like, yeah, girls, get it, get it. <laughs> I'm so proud of you guys. Um, with a specialty in aviation medicine for 20 years, and she does not look old enough to have served in the military <laughs> for 20 years. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll just go with it. Carol, I'll believe you. (laughs) Her favorite part of being was being at MH 53 helicopter squadron in Norfolk, Virginia, Norfolk. Uh, we've been stationed here forever. After she retired in 2004, she worked as a medical assistant slash skincare specialist at a local dermatology practice. She has recently started a mobile spa business called Glam and Go LLC, where she provides spa treatments in the comfort of her clients' homes at an affordable price. We all love that word, affordable price. Like affordable is just, you know, the go-to. It's her, important. It is, right? It is, yeah. Her goal in life is to empower women through beauty. She believes when a woman feels confident in her appearance, she feels empowered. I feel like, you know, how you look kind of adds to that confidence, you know? If I, get up, if I get up on stage and I got like my pink heels on and my hair looks good, I feel way better than if I got up on stage in yoga pants and right? a t-shirt. <laughs> I'm just saying. I really, feel, I really feel like women... And every woman's beauty can be their own, right? Like I like to wear makeup and do my hair, but some, some women don't, they feel beautiful just if, you know, they're wearing a blue shirt. So I feel like beauty is individual, but women who feel beautiful can conquer anything. I agree. And it does vary. I don't, I barely wear makeup at all. I just have such sensitive skin and I've had such Mm -hmm. bad reactions to it that I'm like, no F it. I don't care. And my mom didn't wear a lot of makeup. So I never really learned how to do it. Oh, Megan, you don't need makeup. Thank you so much. Your spirit just shines right through. Oh, I appreciate that. Sometimes I'm like, should I learn how to do makeup? And then other times I'm like, I'm in my thirties, man. If I haven't learned how to do it by now, I'm not sure if I ever will. (laughs) If you want to learn, you shoot me a text and we'll get together and I can teach you some things and there's no charge for that. Oh, I sure will. Especially for you. I do like, I I do the bare minimum. Like I'm, I'm going to do some mascara (laughs) and some eyeliner. If you see that, I'm totally rocking out at that point. Like usually it's just nothing. I just, you know. That's why my hair is so short. I just don't have time. I don't have time for any of this. Um, But I do, I know I have so many friends who do their makeup so beautifully that I'm like, oh my gosh, I kind of envy them, right? Like, how do you know how to do that? Like, that looks amazing. I just love it. So off topic, anyways, Carol's in, in the community and I reached out and I said, you know what? 
I really would like somebody to come on here and talk about abortion because it is a taboo to topic that nobody wants to talk about, mm -hmm. but so many people have experienced. And I have to be honest, I'm going to be real here. I'm always real on this podcast is I used to be a closed minded individual. I know it's very hard for people to understand, like to realize as how I am now. Um, but I had real fierce feelings about abortion um, in my mid twenties. So surprisingly, not when I was younger, um, but in my mid twenties and I had a friend who had heard me, you know, spout out my, my real fierce feelings about it. And she ended up having an abortion and we didn't talk for a year cause she was scared to tell me scared. Mm -hmm. Yep. Scared to tell me. And, and I was like, but I'm your best friend. And she's like, yeah, but so many times you had said like, you know, you can't understand it and you were being really judgmental. And I had to like, at this point in time, I had really started to be more enlightened. And I was like, did I really make her feel that way? I feel like a shitty person right now. So my mind is definitely far opened now compared to then. Yeah. But we need to have these conversations because you can't understand unless you've been there. You Absolutely. know, um, when the first time that came to mind for me is when I found out I was 16 and pregnant. Unless anybody's ever been 16 and pregnant, you have no idea what it's like. Like, right. it is a scary place to be. And I, think, I'm a, I think being pregnant can be scary no matter what age you're at. No, that is you know, true. If you're a single woman and you may not have the means to support a child or you don't have any support from family or friends, like you could be 35 and be fearful. You know what I mean? Because that's completely a daunting, agree. being a parent is a daunting task. It you know what sure I mean? is. But I mean, it I remember stops. all the way up until the doctor showed me the little wiggling peanut on the screen. I didn't know if yeah. I was going to have that baby or not. Right. Um, I chose to, but you know, and that's what my friend said. She's like, I couldn't tell you a person who chose to have a baby at 16 that, you know, in my thirties, like, you know, she was in her early thirties. I want to say when we had this conversation in my thirties, I decided not to keep one. So I wanted to have this conversation, Carol, and thank you for coming on. Um, well, tell us a little bit about your story. What led up to it? What was your situation? So, you know, so let it all was, out. Okay. <laughs> I will. So I was, um, in the May, I went in the Navy when I was 17. My mom signed the papers. Um, I always say it was cause I was really naughty and she was trying to like get me out of the house. But for whatever reason, she always believed that women need a skill because, um, even she was a believer of, you know, every women need to get married and have children, all that good traditional, you know, roles for women. But even still her, what hers wasn't, um, what if your husband, you know, what if you get divorced, but it was, what if your husband dies? If your mm -hmm. husband dies and you have children, you have to be able to support them. So she was always about me getting a skill. Um, I had no desire to go to college. I just wasn't down with that after doing, you know, all those years of school and high school was not fun for me at all. There's nothing but, wrong with that, by the way. Yeah, I tell I people if I decided to not go to college when I first got out of high school, I wouldn't have all the student loan debt that I have. And now I'm trying to go again, but now I actually know what I want to do. Exactly. Yeah, I just didn't want to do it. I high school sucked for me for a variety of reasons, and I just didn't want to go to school again. I just I just wasn't down for that. So um, I decided to join the military. My brother was already in. Um, my mom signed me in at, at seventeen, and I went to boot camp at eighteen. Well, I, was, I guess I was eighteen. So I was eighteen, and right after boot camp, I went to core school, so to learn how to be a corpsman. So I was barely eighteen. Was in core school. Met this cute boy. You know, got together and we weren't even thinking, who 
know why I wasn't thinking about birth control. We just, it just really wasn't, I mean, you were 18, you know, it wasn't something that crossed my mind. This is 19. Oh Lord. Now you're really going to know I'm old enough. I, this was 1984. So the world was also a very different place. Mm -hmm. Um, I know you have other topics that, um, I, you know, you had other people to speak about, but there's also other, you know, things I went through when I was in course school that were complicated, but, um, but anyway, so I met this young man and I got pregnant and we were in course school and this was the very beginning of my Navy career. And I knew that I had already agreed to go to a secondary school, a more, um, higher training. And I just, this is the days when women couldn't really stay in the military you know, we could, but not really. You, you couldn't go to school. You couldn't do anything you wanted to do and be a single parent or be pregnant, like for sure. For sure, oh. being pregnant in the military in the 1980s was, you and just let's didn't. be honest, you're not making that much money at that point in time. Like you're right, not even then, in right. <laughs> But even if it wasn't about the money, like they just had different rules then than they do now. There's much better rules for pregnant women in the military now than there was then. So I'm like, I'm, I'm barely 18. I'm in school. I have just the big, at the very beginning of my career and I'm pregnant. What the hell? What am I going to do? So um, I talked to the young man. He had no interest in having, being a father. Um, so I made the difficult trip home and um, talked to my mom. And that was probably the scariest part was telling my mom that I was pregnant. Right. Oh that my gosh. Scary. She was really traditional. So I was like, you know, here I, your 18 year old daughter, you know, having unprotected sex and now I'm pregnant. So now what? And so we talked about it and, um, my parents, my family's Jewish. So we didn't have Catholic, you know, that, that whole, all of that baggage, you know, that comes with Catholicism and not that there's anything wrong with being Catholic, of course. No, I was baptized Catholic, so I completely understand where you're going. (laughs) Yeah. So there's a lot when you're a traditional conservative, um, Catholic or Christian, there's a whole other set of dilemma that you deal with. Right. Um, my parents were very, um, agnostic. So that wasn't, the religion wasn't really an issue. Um, I think it was more of me being worried about her being, disappointed in my choices, Mm. my actions. So, um, I went home and she actually said, okay, well let's, you know, we need, you need to take care of us. You need to get an abortion. There was never even a question of, um, being pregnant and giving the baby up for adoption. It was really like, you kind of have no choice. If you want, if you want to have this career in the military, you're going to have to do this. And I was like, yeah, I agree. So my mom took me actually to the clinic in Connecticut to take, to have an abortion. Wow. So what kind of, what kind of feelings and stuff did you do with afterwards? Like, was there um, anything? Sometimes people are like, I can, I can tell you the exact age the child would be right now. And where some people are I mean, like, I think about that sometimes I do think about the fact, I mean, I'm 52. I was 18. I literally would have like a, how old are you? I am 31. Okay. So you could be my child. You could be my daughter. So I think about the fact because I currently now have an 18 year old and a 20 year old. So sometimes I think about the fact that I could have a child who would be old enough to really have like a 10 year old kid. You know what I mean? So I do think about that sometimes, but I think at the time because of where I was and what I need, what I felt like I needed to do in my life, um, I needed to do what I did 
I needed, that was the only choice I felt like I had if I wanted to pursue a career. Um, I do sometimes think, I think the worst part, honestly, was there were people there. There were people at the clinic standing outside the gate. This was 1984. Oh, this was big. On, I mean, they still big. stand outside the gate. and Yeah, you know. no, it was bad because there was a chain link fence all around the building. It was, I remember it was like a, like a one-story brick building and it wasn't really clearly marked because, of course, they didn't want to draw attention to what they were doing. I don't think it was Planned Parenthood. I don't remember. I really don't know um, because my mom took care of all of that. She just took me and she paid for it. Um, Thank goodness. I think I paid her back though. I think I felt like that was my responsibility to take care of that financially. But um, there were people there and they, they like had signs and they were yelling at me as I was trying to go in the building. They were like trying to block my way and they were yelling um, murderer and all those horrible things. That was actually like probably as I remember the worst part was being made to feel horrible you're ashamed. A decision that I really felt like I needed to make for my life, right? Mm -hmm. So I felt like people were just really trying to shame me. And it was, it was awful. It was awful. I think for me, it might have been a little more awful because as a Jewish woman or a girl growing up in a um, mostly, I grew up in a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant community. So I was like one of two Jewish people in the whole town. So I'd already been shamed. I'd already been you know, told I was different. I'd already been not allowed to have certain girls be my friends because I was Jewish. Certain boys wouldn't date me because I was Jewish. So I'd already gone through a lot of that. Um, and so then to have, you know, kind of gone away from that, gotten away from it, and then to have that happen again, like you're not worthy, you're a horrible person, what are you doing, you murderer? That was awful. Like, who were they to judge me like that? They didn't know my story. Mm -hmm. They just assumed that not everybody has options. And I think that's what I want women to hear is that if that's your option, that's your option and you get to choose that. And I know it's complicated because it's a, it's a fetus. It's a It's complicated, Megan. Oh, it it's is freaking super complicated. complicated. It's super complicated. And, you know, I do think about that, that I would have, you know, a 30 something year old child and, you know, did I have the right to take that away? But at the time, I, I knew that if I had continued on with that pregnancy, that everything else, I wouldn't have a career. I wouldn't, how am I going to support this child? Um, I can't live at home. Like, what, what, what was I going to do? I, I didn't feel like I had any other option because it was 1984. I was an 18-year-old girl with no education besides high school, what was I going to do? Go back to Connecticut and Fair, you know, Fairfield, Connecticut, super expensive place to live and work at the grocery store. You know, right. so for me, that was my only, that was my only option that I felt like was the best option for me. Not, I shouldn't say only because there's always other options. I felt like that was the best option for me at that point in my life. Would I do it again at that stage in my life? Probably. Probably if I had, if I had been older, maybe it wouldn't have been the, the best option for me then. But at that point, that was the best option for me that I felt. 
Yeah. And being a teen mom's tough. Let me put that out there. I mean, even 18, 18 is still a teenager. Yeah, you're, you're still a baby. You're still a baby. And Kudos to you, girl, for doing it at 16. Because I know that wasn't easy. I was very fortunate that, you know, my mom was supportive of any decision that I made. And she let me know that she would support me in any way she could. Now, of course, that would not mean like I got to live with her for my entire life, right? Right. Um, but she did, she didn't make me work when I finished high school. Like, um, she made sure all the bills were paid and, you know, there was gas in my car and, um, she helped me make sure I had somebody to watch Carmel and all of that. But if I didn't have her support, right? Like if I didn't have that option, who knows? Like I was so close to making the decision not to have Carmel it really was the doctor saying, before you make this decision, can I show you one thing? And I was like, sure. And because he said, what are you going to do? Like, you know, you're 16. And he showed me that little wiggling baby on the screen. Like it was a peanut, like little tiny yeah. wiggled, wiggling peanut on the screen. And yeah. I was like, that's my baby. And, and that was it for me, for her. But who knows if he had been a different kind of doctor who was more, um, who was more encouraging the abortion route, would I have done it? It's possible. It really is. And you don't know. They gave me the adoption. I, as I recall, because it's been so long ago, as I recall, they gave me the adoption. They gave me my options. It wasn't like, um, you know, this is the only option for you. There are other options. They did not show me the, we didn't, ha- I didn't have to have an ultrasound. Like that wasn't part of back then. Yeah. It wasn't a requirement. So I didn't have to see anything. I didn't have to hear the heartbeat. I was very, very early. We made sure that I was within my first 12 weeks. Um, you know, that it was very early pregnancy. Not that that makes it any better or worse. No, exactly. To make the decision earlier. Um, I don't know. We just made it right away. We, I went home right away and we made the decision right away. They're just, I mean, what I want people to really understand when they're listening to this and it's really, sometimes it's really hard for people to be open-minded and I know some people might be struggling right now, listen to this, is you don't know unless you're there, there right? Exactly. You, you don't, don't know until this happens to you. Right. And you, you don't know when, yes, you have options, but are they viable options, right? right. Are, they, are they viable options to you? And if it hadn't been for that doctor to say, can I show you something first? Who knows what decision right. I would have made, right? Um, and if it hadn't been for my mom being like super, like overly supportive, probably because she was a teen mom as well. Um, yeah, so she right knew. Michael, yeah, so yeah. she knew um, that I, who knows what would have happened. Right. And, you know, I don't want anybody listening to things like, well, who is Carol? Like, you don't know. Cause you haven't worn there. You know what? You know what? Like now, now that I'm a mom, I'm an adult. Um, yeah. When I look back on it, yeah, I was stupid. I was 18 years old. I was having unprotected sex. Um, I only had one partner, thank goodness. So at that point I only had one partner. So it wasn't like there were multiple men that I had to try to figure out who was the daddy. And I did talk to him and we did make the, de- you know, he was part of the decision because it wasn't just my decision to make, in my opinion, mm-hmm. you know, and he was part of that decision as well. I still remember his name. Isn't that crazy? All the guys I dated, that one sticks out always. But um, I'm, I guess for obvious reasons, there was a, you know, an event attached to him. <laughs> but I mean, I have children now. I have two boys. I have four children, two bio and two stepchildren. And I have two bio boys. And um, 
I, so I have four kids. I don't, I don't, I don't call them step in bio, but we don't for either. purposes yeah. of this conversation, just to, to clarify. So I have four children um, and three of them are boys. And it occurred to me as they were growing up and I realized that this could happen. They could come home one day and say, hey, mom, I got my girlfriend. I have um, two of my boys are straight. So they could say, hey, I got a girl pregnant and came to realize when I was thinking about it that honestly, as the male in the relationship, it really wasn't, wouldn't be his decision. And that's unfortunate. A lot of times the girls and their mama decide. That's unfortunate. It's very unfortunate, but it is reality. It's yeah. real that most of the time, if, 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 my, if one of my sons had gotten a girl pregnant um, and, and they weren't married and we had gone to the parent and said, hey, we really, you know, there's options there or whatever. Honestly, the girl's carrying that baby. Yeah. So what can you do? You know, if you, if you were a parent of a young man who wanted and you all thought abortion was the best plan or adoption even, you know, it doesn't have to be killing, you know, whatever, if you want to use the word, it doesn't have to be terminating the pregnancy. Yeah. You could still, you know, give the baby for adoption. If you're not ready to be a parent, the girl and her mom and her family would decide. Yeah. I'm my ex or my oldest daughter's father um, wanted me to abort her as well. He's very vocal about it. We're teenagers, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to be paying child support the rest of my life, blah, blah, blah. And it was my decision. Like you're carrying the baby. Like I decided I'm keeping this baby and yes, you are going to make child support play child support. Cause you help make this baby too. It's not right. just me. Like, right. yes, I got to m- make that ultimate decision. Right. And, and it is very unfortunate because, you know, as a mom as well, and I have three girls and a boy, uh, what if my son came home and said that I'd be heartbroken to find out like I'd have a grandbaby, but then the, I don't have a grandbaby. Right? right. Like not that I want a teen pregnancy to happen. Right. But, but it's, <laughs> you know what, when you, whenever you involve feelings, things get complicated. It's get messy. Complicated. Life is messy. But if it's, if it, there's not feelings or humans or heart involved, it's not quite as messy, but when there's heart involved. And I think that's why people, get so tied up about this because it's people and it's feelings and it's convictions, excuse me, and it's convictions. And man, some of those convictions are just deep, deep down to the core. Right. And mm-hmm. um, things I've learned in my life is that some people have convictions that you could give them st- data and statistics and, talk to them reasonably and some people just aren't going to change their mind. That's their conviction. So those people, I just say, you know what? Blessings to you and you're allowed to have your, your feelings. You're allowed to feel what you want to feel. You're allowed to have your, your thoughts. What the problem for me is when you force your thoughts and opinions on others. Hallelujah. Without (laughs) any regard to how they're, feeling about it right when you when you impose your will or feelings on someone else right I know you've talked about this boundaries 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 are so important I have to tell you something offline about this later but boundaries are super important and I don't have the right to try to force you to choose my way of thinking that's so true. And I shared an article in the Inspired Women community about 
open-mindedness and how in the article it says open-mindedness does not mean that I'm going to agree with you. Open-mindedness is I'm willing to listen to you without judgment. Thank you. And that doesn't happen that much any, any that much anymore. You know, to, when you find someone who's willing to listen to you and really without to listen to you without thinking of their rebuttal. Yes. But to actually listen with both ears, that's rare. It's rare these days, especially these days, you know, in the climate that we live in right now, oh. politically and socioeconomically and all of those things. But to find someone that actually listens with their ears, not that I said anything today that's going to, to change anyone's mind. But what I will say is that, um, you know, I was young. I felt like I was in a corner. Um, had I had I already been through A school and C school and was already starting my, if I had already gone through school, I feel like if I had already gone through school, I might've made a totally different decision. Mm -hmm. But as a pregnant woman in the Navy, there's no way they would have allowed me to continue my education. Why would they? You you don't have skin in the game at that point in time. Like this is not like they've already invested their time and money in you. If you've already gone through those schoolings and now they've invested their time and money in you. Right. You know, you're a military spouse. I was, I was like an E3 I was an E3 and I was only an E3 because I signed a contract in the Navy for six years. So I was an E3 and would have been an E4 as soon as I graduated A school. They don't have that program anymore, I don't think. But this was- Oh, they do have for certain race- bios. Yeah. They so still- I was a six bio. Yeah. So I joined for six years and I was guaranteed an A school and a C school and E4 mm-hmm. right after I graduated from A school. So I wasn't, but really if I hadn't had that, I would have been an E1. You know yeah. what I mean? with no education and they would have said bye-bye mm-hmm. and what? So Sorry. I really, and I didn't, I left, I joined the military because I didn't feel like I had any options except college or working at the grocery store mm-hmm. where I was already working. This is the eighties. Let's be honest. Yeah, uh, working two women jobs. did not have a lot of variety of things they could do. It was still pretty close minded as in you should be a stay at home mom. Yes. So you know, my mom didn't, wouldn't have made me feel that way, but I lived in a, like I said, I grew up in a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant community in, um, Southeastern Connecticut, you know, super Republican, super, I'm sorry, was that going too far? No, <laughs> conservative, say whatever you want, like you know, super conservative, yeah. very, um, you know, we couldn't go to the country club. We couldn't join the country club right down the road from our house. You're a Jewish. Jewish. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I'm from upstate New York, girl. I know. Like, <laughs> I know. Yep, the, yeah, there was a little country club right there on the beach, the beach club, and we weren't allowed to join it because we were Jewish. So, you know, that's the world I grew up in. So what was I going to do? Be a single mom in that world at 18 with no education? Yeah. I didn't see any other option for me at that time. And adoption didn't occur to me because I still would have been had to be pregnant and I still wouldn't have, they still would have kicked me out. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a, it was a different world in the eighties than it is now, but still, I don't want to undermine anybody's decision nowadays to do that. Cause it's still scary. Like, especially it's if you're very a scary. mom, especially if the guy's not going to be there with you, uh, you know, all these things go through your head and you're scared and you're not sure what to do. And you know, you got to make a decision now because you can't make it later when there's, right. 
like right because seeing you because you're, it's a time thing like yeah. if you don't make a decision now you wait too long girl you're stuck and you're stuck you're gonna have that baby because legally you only legally you only have x amount of time yeah you know so and and medically you only have x amount of time before it becomes right. more dangerous and honestly after having carried two children I, I, there's only so far you can go before I feel like for most people, you, you come to that point, like you did where you're like, okay, that's a person. Yeah. But yeah, it's not just a bunch of cells. That's like, I see that heartbeat. I'm going to have to, you know, at that point, I think it's more difficult. It's moving. It's moving. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it's exactly. More difficult. Yeah. So it's definitely more difficult. So I, I think it is totally scary for women. And I think that, um, unfortunately for some women, they're shamed into making a choice that they may not have made if they had had support. And let's be honest, either way too. Sometimes they're shamed right. into having a baby and right. sometimes they're shamed into not having a baby. Exactly. Yeah. It's complicated being a woman, isn't it? It is so complicated. I try to, I tell people in the grocery store, this is my uterus, stay out of it. Cause they're like, are you, you have a lot of kids. Are you having more kids? It's not <gasps> your business or twins. Oh my gosh, girl. You should hear the questions they ask me about the twins. Were they natural? What the fuck does that mean? Are they natural? Like who says that? Like, how were they conceived? It's none of your business. Did you have Wait, why would, I, why would anyone even ask you that question? Legit, in the grocery store, when the twins are babies more than they are now because they're boy, girl, and they're different sizes no. and heights, so people don't see it. Why um, would anyone assume that your babies weren't your babies? No, no. They assumed that my babies weren't made via having sex why? with my husband. Why would they even, why would that even cross their minds? Because twins don't come naturally. I don't know. People That's are stupid. People are ridiculous. What, and the questions they will ask p women, and I'm like, do not, this is my uterus. It's none of your business. If I, if I had IVF, you know what? That would be none of your business. Exactly. It's your yeah. money. It's your, you know, what's crazy too. I did a whole, I wrote a whole article cause I blocked also, I wrote a whole article about, um, things you shouldn't say to same gender parents. Ooh, I need it. I need to see that. We need to link it up yeah. in the show notes. Yeah. Cause People seriously, like that's a whole nother right right or or um or biracial families is that really your baby um because you know when you're biracial your baby could be any type of shade yeah. right because that's how we are in the universe my brother and you could have both the same race parents and be totally different shades of skin right you can have a throwback that's how baby. it goes yes it's called genetics Right. And oh, <laughs> is that really your baby? Now it's really, I just found this kid on the corner. I just picked him up in the, him in the car seat that. because I figured why not? I need other mouths to feed. Like, right? No, people need to, it's, this is our body, right? And it's yeah. our choice. Like even like, even people sticking their nose and where it doesn't belong about birth control and all sorts of kind of shit. It, unless you have had to make the decision whether you want to have sex or not have want to have sex, then don't talk to me, right? Like not everybody's married and having sex. Majority of people are not married and having sex and they don't want to have a baby. So ta-da, right. birth control. Well, there's the can of worms too, as what if you get pregnant from an assault? Like there's a whole nother. Yes. There's I had a, a friend in college who kept her baby from a sexual assault. Really? But then later had an abortion for a different baby. And yeah. You know what? And every situation is different. And every right. pregnancy is different. And every time you get pregnant, it's different. 
and your life. And so you could have, you know, 10 kids and, and, and then there's the whole situation too of people that have more than one abortion. Oh my God. Like they're using abortion as a birth control. You don't know. You can, you don't know what's going on in someone's life. Don't assume. You don't anything. know what the situation's like. Exactly. So. You know, there are a thousand different reasons why people make the decisions they do and it's not up for us to judge. Nope. Like nope. no matter what your spiritual beliefs are, it, none of them say it's up to you to judge people. <laughs> Actually, if you are, if you are Christian and you're walking the Christian walk, then you don't get to judge anyway. It's not your decision. It's God's choice. I mean, if you're, if right. you are a Christian yeah. and you're walking a walk, not just talking the talk, but you're walking the walk, yeah. the Bible says that only God gets to judge. Well, so, actually, I'm pretty sure m- most major religions outside of Christianity also have the same thing where there's a higher Jesus. power yeah. that makes the decisions. Yeah. You don't get to make the decisions. Nope. That a higher power gets to make the decisions. Right. So right. it's not and up to- it's your, it's your relationship with your deity, right? Yep. That's a personal relationship. So if I had a deity that I believed in, then I would have to have that conversation or that relationship with that deity between me and them. Yep. You don't get to be involved in that relationship. So it's really no skin off your nose, whatever I do, because- if I have quote unquote sin, isn't it my sin to deal with? With yes. my creator, if that's your belief, you right. it doesn't affect Megan. If I, I go out and rob someone and that's sinful and I'm gonna, you know, I have to pay for that price, Megan's not gonna go to jail if I go to jail. No. I'm going to jail if I go to jail. Right. right. So so we don't get to sit in judgment of other human beings because even if you're even if you're, I don't want to say spiritual because the religion and spiritual are different to me. Even yeah. if you're religious, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not your business. Yep. Right. I it's completely business. agree. It's my business. So if you're, you said you have a daughter, if your daughter were to come mm-hmm. to you and, and say, I'm pregnant, I don't want to keep, I don't want to keep this baby or I'm not. She did. That happened. And can you tell us what happened? She got an abortion. And how do you feel about this? It was her decision. Okay. I mean, I don't say decision. that. I don't want to say to say, I don't want that no. okay to come out as like, I'm judging. No, no, no. It was her decision. Okay, like, so that yeah. did happen about, oh gosh, three years ago, our daughter was in a relationship that was not a great relationship. And mm-hmm. it was, I think it was a very um, tenuous is not the right word. It was toxic. No, it was like, it was like casual. Thank you. Okay. That's what I was looking for brain it was it was a very casual relationship and she got um pregnant from that casual relationship and she was in a few casual relationships at the time so he wasn't but she knew that he was the father based upon when she was with him as opposed to some other people that she was with she was dating and that that's her choice too so i'm not judging that she was over 18 that was her choice it's her body um and she was over old enough to make that decision for herself so um so she did come and she did say she was pregnant and she didn't want to keep the baby and she did not have the finances. So I took her to the clinic in Virginia beach. Yeah. And I gave her the money to take care of that because, well, we, we did together, my partner and I, because that was her decision and it wasn't our place to stand in her way or try to talk her out of it. You know, I like that you are, walking the walk right now you're pretty much saying i'm not gonna tell my daughter she can't do something that i did 
because who am I to tell my kid not to do something that I did? I mean, I mean, even if they do stuff that I did, like even if, so my, my kids have done all kinds of things that I did that I wish I hadn't done. Yeah. They still do things that I know I don't agree with my, all of them do things I don't agree with, but it's all I can do is say, you know what, honey, just be careful and, um, try to make the right decision. I'm going to love you anyway. I may not like your decision, but you're over 18. So if you want some advice, I'll give it to you. And I'm happy to give you my opinion, but we don't, we don't, um, make our, we don't try to make our kids do things that they don't want to do. We give them our advice. Mm-hmm. We try to steer them in the right direction that we think would be most beneficial for their life. But at the end of the day, I, I'm, I'm their mom. I'm not their keeper. Right. You know, and no, she, that's what she wanted. And if she had wanted to have the baby, we were already figuring out that she would probably have to move home. And I mean, we had, we had talked about everything cause it wasn't yeah. our decision and how could we best support her with right. whatever her decision was. Right. And that's the best. I think that's the best way personally to approach when your children are making the decisions, because when we force our own thoughts and beliefs and opinions on our children, whatever they might be, then our children resent us for that. Right. So like, you're not teaching them. them. No, my dad didn't talk to me for two years after he found out I was pregnant with my daughter. Like not a single word for two years. Like if he called my house to talk to my sister and I answered the phone, he'd hang up and call back. Not a word for two whole years. He claims it wasn't because I was pregnant. I'm like, um, okay, well, what was it then? I tell you I'm pregnant. You stop talking to me. That's a casual relationship. My mom didn't talk to me for five years because I got divorced. I mean, right? Yeah. I mean, how are you teaching us anything? If anything, you're teaching us that you're an asshole. Thank you for (laughs) pointing that out to me. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't do that. I don't do that to my kids. I don't like the, some of the things my kids do. I don't like decisions. I'm like, our kids are 18, 20, 23 and 25. So they're grown. Um, two live at home, two don't. Um, my, our, our oldest son came to us recently and told us his girlfriend is pregnant at 18. Um, he says he's ready. He's 22. You know, we're not sure he's ready, but all we can do is support him because it's not our decision. Right. You know, and we're not, we're, you know, what do you do? You don't get to choose who your parent, who your children date, who they decide to make babies with, who they decide to marry. So if you want to keep your child in your life, in my, this is just my opinion. If you want to keep your child in your life, then you learn to say, okay, honey, I may not be crazy about your decisions, but they're your decisions to make. And let's be honest, you can love your child and not like them at the same time. Hallelujah. Every day. There were times when my, so my oldest daughter and anybody listening to the podcast knows this is is living with her biological dad in upstate New York now because she made that decision. She wanted to be away. But there were times when she lived here Man, there were days I did not like that kid. I mean, I loved her because she's my daughter, but I didn't like her, like, at all. Right. If anything, I wanted to kick her little ass. Like, come on. Right. Get it together. Um, but, yeah, I think that's sometimes where people think that love means you love everything about them, but you don't have to. Like, you can not like their decisions. You can not like them sometimes, and that's part because of Because they're individuals. They're yeah. not me. Right. 
right? So what I can do as a parent, like when our daughter came to us at 18 and said she was pregnant, I knew I knew I had taught her about birth control. I had taught her about safe sex. I had taught her all those things. Um, you know, she, but I didn't, I'm not, this is what I tell my kids. We taught all of our kids about that sex is good. Sex is a really nice part of life. Yeah. If it is mutually beneficial, mutually consensual, mutually respectful, um, you know, all those things that you boundaries are, are, mm-hmm. are adhered to, et cetera. As long as all of those rules are met, like I've told my kids, I want you to have a great sex life. Like, I hope you do. I yeah. hope you meet someone and you have amazing sex as long as beneficial, consensual, respectful, right? All of those things that are really important to even having a relationship that's sexual. So as long as all those boundaries are met, I'm not going to be there when they make that decision. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm not going to be there. So as long as you teach them how to have, you know, safe sex and boundaries and all those things, you got to let them go. And if they come home and they say, Hey, I'm pregnant. Okay. Well, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? And how can I support you? I love inside. You might be cringing inside, you know, inside you're like screaming. Like I put you on birth control, man. Yeah. What the hell right. are you doing? Or my right. mom who was like, I got you the birth control. All you had to do is wait two weeks. <laughs> but that has to be on the inside. Cause yeah. on the outside, you have to find a way to keep your face as straight as possible and say, I'm okay. This is what I said. This is what we said. We're not happy. Like this is not a thing, a great thing, but how can we support you? Yeah. Like, I mean, whatever you say in the beginning, has to say, how can I support you at the end? Because this is your, this is your, your child. And, you know, and I know that's not for everyone. Not everyone has a great relationship with their parents or whatever. We were fortunate that we have one with ours, with all of our kids. We're, we're fortunate, you know, they respect us and we respect them. But anyway, I don't think we got off topic, but yeah, that did happen to us. It and that's what I went through happened to my topic. daughter. Yeah, it yeah. happened to my daughter. It all comes back to the same topic of your mom allowed you to make the decisions mm-hmm. and supported you. You've done the same thing for your child. Um, everybody's happy, healthy, doing well, well-adjusted. Is it a shitty situation? Absolutely. Absolutely. But who are, who are we as individuals to judge anybody for what they do in their lives? You can't. No. You just can't. And I mean, and I have to say that I um I heard you say earlier, you know, that you were in a different place. I mean, I haven't always been this enlightened, like for sure. You know what I mean? For sure. I have been been in places in my life where I was very judgmental. I was very but I had to learn over the years. I think honestly, for me personally, having bigotry thrown at me as a um woman who is with a woman now, but I've been fluid, very fluid throughout my whole life. Yeah. So having dated um, men who were African-American, having dated women of any, you know, race, having, being a Jewish woman, having all of these different experiences um, put me to a certain, you know, place in my life where I was non-judgmental. And then I went to ODU and got a woman's studies degree. And that like totally opened my world, my brain and really put me in a whole different place of non-judgmental, um, you know, open-minded understanding more of socioeconomics and just things that I didn't know before as a white woman. Um, so 
having the experiences I've had in my life in the military, et cetera, what made me have more of an open mind. I didn't have it when I was 20 or 22 or even 30 maybe, but definitely as I've gotten more mature and I've experienced more and, and been more educated, mm -hmm. I've, that's changed for me. So to wrap up the podcast, because the time goes by really quickly. No, it's been such a great time talking with you. I know it has for me too. I'm like, we live near each other. But I we know. And we never, so everyone's weird. so busy, right? <laughs> I we got to get together, Megan. I agree. So if there's one thing that you could leave my audience with about anything that we talked about, what do you want them to know? What do you want them to take away with them? I think that, hmm. I think honestly, it's a, it's an old fashioned adage of like, until you've walked in someone else's shoes, don't know, don't, don't think you know what they're going through because you don't know, right? What goes, you might be the most self-sufficient. I have my shit together person in the world outside your house and inside your house, you could be going through some crazy, crazy shit. Right. Right. You don't know what's going on in someone's life unless you're in their life, in their home 24 seven, even your best friend, you may not know everything. So don't judge. Don't until you've walked in someone's shoes, don't think you know what they're going through. Right. I couldn't and just agree try to be supportive no matter what, even if you disagree, shut your freaking mouth and just be supportive. It's not that hard just to say, Hey, can I help? And if you can't, if it's beyond your capacity to be able to put your own personal biases aside, then for goodness sake, step away yes. and don't offer your opinion. If you can't, if for whatever reason, you just can't put your mind around being supportive of someone else's struggle, then distance yourself from that person. So you don't poise, so you don't bring your toxicity to them it's, it's, or it doesn't become not that that's toxic. I'm not trying to be judgmental, but if, if you and I disagree so much fundamentally, then maybe I should excuse myself from the situation and um, not create a problem for both of us. Does that make Hallelujah. Sense? Did I say that the right way? Yes. Like uh, the way I look at it is, and I always say this all the time. Sometimes we are not emotionally capable of being there for other people, either because of our beliefs, our perceptions, what we're personally going through. And if you right. can't, be there emotionally to support another human being. Be honest. Step away, right. man. Thank you. Otherwise, you're doing some major damage. Yeah. Major damage. We just can't. If, you, if I don't have it, if I'm so wrapped up in what's going on in my life, that I don't have the time for you to support you in that way. Not because I, I don't want to, but because I, I just am unable emotionally, mm -hmm. physically, financially, whatever. It's my, I should say, I should have the cojones, the, the, the decency the love to say to you, you know what, Megan, I'm sorry right now. I just can't be that person for you right now. Not that I won't ever, but right now I can't. So um, I'm very sorry. And I love you. Yeah. And that's, and then go on. So good. Well, Carol, thank you so much for coming oh, on the podcast, chatting with me and sharing your story because you know, it is a loaded topic, but we need to have these conversations because otherwise the stigma is going to stay nobody's going to be talking about it and everybody's be at each other's throats instead of actually like opening our minds a little bit to see a different perspective. Agree or disagree, open our minds to see a yep. different perspective. Yep. I agree. So thank you for coming on the podcast. You're welcome. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Inspired Women podcast. 
Don't forget to subscribe, share this out with your friends and family, and join us in the Inspire Women community on Facebook. I'll catch you next week.